Welcome to Talking Architecture and Design. My name is Branko Melodic, and today we have in our studio Dr. Peter Sweatman from Caroma, a company well known to most, if not nearly all Australians, mainly um, for their toilet and bathroom designs, um, which should go back quite a few decades from, from what I know. Dr. Peter Sweatman graduated with first class honours in industrial design from the University of Canberra wherein he started work with Chroma R&D in research to launch the first generation of smart flush toilets to the market. Since then, he has worked at Chroma in various design and research-focused roles, along the way gaining a Master's of Animation from UTS with the final project film appearing at the Melbourne International Animation Festival. Peter has recently completed a PhD in user-centred bathroom design for older people at University of New South Wales Built Environment, through co-design workshops, programs and laboratory-based design investigations, the research explored individual preferences and seeks to refine parameters to provide optimal solutions. The goal is to create bathrooms that work as integrated spaces that can be tailored and adapted to individuals to provide convenience, comfort and safety. Wow, that was a mouthful. So welcome, Peter, to a small and, dare I say, cosy little podcast studio. Thank you. It's nice to be here. It is a, a cosy little unit you've got here. Okay, so um, dare, I'm going to ask you the question. Mm-hmm. What brought you to, dare I say, the field of toilet research? Toilet research? For want of a better term. Is that, is that the correct term, by the way? Um, probably not, isn't it? Probably not. Yeah. It's not we, tend not to think, we tend to think of bathrooms as a, as a complete space made up of a number of different products. Um, basically came into it through uh, being the offer, offered the opportunity to work with Dr. Steve Cummings on a research project straight out of university. Um, and that was looking at how we could reduce water flushing volumes uh, in toilets. So, so it was a sustainability focus? Yeah, yeah, sustainability focus. It um, had an Aus industry funded uh, approach and um, uh, it, it built on the work that Steve Cummings had been doing, you know, for... 20 years at that time, mm-hmm. um, looking uh, through the development of dual flush, reducing flushing volumes, and just looking at how we could bring those volumes down uh, an, another level. So it was actually, you know, it, once you get over the the fact that you're working on toilets, quite an interesting area. It's it, it, Toilets are at the, um, you know, the junction of a number of different kind of spheres of the built environment. So there's a big, you know, user interface aspect of it. There's usability aspects of it, comfort. Um, and then it, you know, connects to a complex plumbing system, which, you know, keeps us healthy, keeps um, keeps our environment clean, and um, also is connected to the water supply uh, infrastructure. So that obviously is, you know, a key part of sustainability is minimising the amount of water that we're consuming day to day. So... Um, just looking at the, the water consumption aspect of it, it's it, it's great if you can reduce the amount of a resource that you're using while not affecting anything that uh, uh, really affects people's day-to-day lives. If you're doing it well, they shouldn't even notice that they're using less water, and that's something that we try to do in all the bathroom products that we work with. Something tells me this this podcast is going to be full of metaphors and double entendres all the way through. I was going to say... Um, well, the novelty wears off. After it does. A little it while. does. I'm sure. I'm Here sure you've heard them all. We're flushed with success. Blah, blah, blah. You know that was a, that was the title of one of my um, articles on toilets many oh, years really? ago. But let's not go there. there. Go. Um, you know, ironically, toilets um, mm. have been well 
everything associated with toilets has been in the news quite recently. Quite a lot, hasn't yeah. it? Um, well, you and I spoke about this off air a bit. Um, it's a topic. It is a topic, uh, which brings to mind a television show I saw on SBS only a few months ago, and it was about how toilets were first uh, invent, not, well, invented, I guess, a flushing tool in Manchester, was it not? Um, um, yeah, one of the industrial yeah. uh, heartland suburbs, uh, areas of the UK. Yeah, the um, the toilet as we know it kind of came about in the middle of the eight, of the nineteenth century. Nineteenth century, yeah, that's right. And, and uh, there was something that you mentioned, which is really interesting. It's it's there is there is a, obviously a direct link to human hygiene, mm. human health. There was part of that program, and if uh, correct me if I'm well, I'll try and I'll try and remember it correctly because I I'm, I may be getting a bit confused, but. They did go on to say that the toilet actually, well, the flushing toilet, the sewerage system, and all the plumbing mm, associated mm. with it, um, basically increased people's longevity. Yeah, oh, it's been said that the sanitation system has saved more lives than the whole of uh, the medical profession. Um, so, just through distancing people wow. from waste in built-up in areas, uh, it has reduced or increased lifespans and, um, you know, the prevalence of disease hugely. And, I mean, it's something that still affects uh, the developing world. So um, there's, you know, numerous initiatives, you know, funded by Bill Gates and people like that to Mm -hmm. improve sanitation, to improve lives, lengthen lives uh, around the whole world. So um, it's, uh, it's almost like it's an ongoing project. Okay. Well, okay. So in light of the current crisis we have with you know, Corona, um, you know, virus and uh, a humble toilet playing a huge role in public sanitation and safety, as we've said, mm. could um, we say then, then, you know, and I think you've just said it, but that it is one of the pillars of, of, of the advance of the advancement of, of the modern, of modern industrial society? Yeah, I, I guess so. I've, I've read a few cultural things where um, there's, you know, strong emotional connections with mm-hmm. with being able to use the toilet, being toilet trained. Um, you know, uh, one of the first things people complain about if they're going camping for the first time is, will I yep. not have access to a flushing toilet? I'm, I'm not in civilization anymore if I can't, you know, flush it away with a clean uh-huh. rush of water and not think about it any further. Being, um, if, you, if you're suddenly closer to your, your waist, you're... You know, you're away from civilization. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah, I've got a feeling that that the uh, the current enthusiasm for toilet paper and the, <laughs> yeah, the, I didn't the, want to mention the toilet, toilet paper into the future is tying into some something uh-huh. that you know, if civilization collapses, something to do with the toilet will okay. be a big part of it. I don't know. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's look forward rather than backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the latest designs and innovations in toilet design technology um, that we may in Australia be seeing soon in the built environment, um, or well, that you can talk about? Yeah, well, I don't want to talk too much about in the distant future, but just some current things that that have we've done recently is, um, and it kind of follows on the direction of of toilet innovation generally is. Um, well, we reduced flush volumes in the early 2000s or mid-2000s down to four and a half, three litres. From? From 6.3 to 4.5.3. Um, okay. So that's six litres full flush. 
Right. Four and, and yeah, four and a half full flush, and then three liter half flush. And actually, the don't complicate it too much, but the half, but the standard was a bit tightened so that it was uh, effectively l- lower flush volume overall than um, right. previously. Yeah. So why was I mean, I'm just gonna be a dummy's question, but mm. why was the original flush so? so high was there a need for that in terms of the design of the plumbing or um yeah i mean there's two different aspects of flush performance really there's the clearing of waste from the bowl and then there's clearing of waste through the plumbing system so Uh um you know possibly it was myths or weaknesses in uh, early plumbing design that meant that people felt like you needed to have 11 liters or whatever to to move the waste through the building and through the entire plumbing system so maybe that was excessive for clearing the bowl but um there were uh there was a a perception that that needed to carry the waste i don't know however far distance 11 liters will actually carry waste but um uh that aspect of it was probably the first area that we realized that uh you didn't need quite so much volume to do that especially when uh you know what is it four out of five times it's only liquid waste or mm-hmm. perhaps a little bit of paper that you're flushing down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the initial wave was reducing the um, the amount used for, for liquid waste, number ones. And um, from there, uh, through a better understanding of how building drainage worked, we could reduce flush volumes again and then looking at the pan, uh, so the actual toilet bowl, mm-hmm. looking at how through better design of the valves, the interior surfaces of the bowl, the flushing rim, all those aspects, Mm -hmm. to optimise those to clear waste from the pan with enough water behind it so that the waste gets out early and there's enough water behind it to push it through the building. Um, Okay. And, uh, yeah, so Steve Cummings did some big work in uh, making sure that the building drainage system will work with those flush volumes so uh, there's no issues with... um, yeah, the performance of the whole system. Okay. Let's talk about sustainability because what mm. you just mentioned has a huge impact on sustainability, doesn't it? I mean, Absolutely, yeah. A lot of people and there's a lot of toilets. Mm. Um, so, you know, if you could say one toilet per person, let's say almost, mm. that's a lot of toilets in the world. So the issue of water usage for toilet flushing, you know, has become an issue, I think, more and more so in Australia when it comes to our, our, our water resources. Mm. Um is there anything that still? I mean, I know you've you've done the half flush, and we we're talking mm. about you know lowering that. But is there anything that can still be done to lower domestic water usage? And is it time mm. that we looked at perhaps new technologies? Uh, well, the, we're continuing to optimize the amount of water used in conventional flushing systems. So, using toilets that we're familiar with, there are ways of using less water and having a more mechanical or maybe vacuum assisted. Uh, approach but um, obviously there are issues there with um, user acceptance of that if you start having something that's people are not used to there's you know potential problems there Um, there, there's definitely potential for that but also you talked about the number of toilets that are out there we're looking at existing infrastructure that they're connecting to if you're suddenly changing um, the the system that it's connecting to um, that presents more problems for compatibility of, of, of a change being able to work with existing stock existing stock of built buildings and yeah, okay. installations it's much um in an overall sense 
it's much easier to improve the existing technology as long as it interfaces with the right. existing infrastructure. So, um, you know, maybe it's an area where incremental change is, is a good way to do it. Um, but, the, you know, there are all sorts of innovative ways that people are, are looking at improving, um, you know, where water is used and the quality of water that is used for flushing. And um, uh, the, those can, you know, potentially are fairly niche aspects of it when we're looking at um, the whole built environment, your average household, your average building, um, where if you can improve, you know, those large stocks of, of users and installations, then that potentially is a, is a better direction to go. So um, it's obviously a big challenging area and, um, yeah, the more the, the more work that goes into it, the, the better in, in eventual outcomes. Um, Interesting. So you, you mentioned the... the the current news on toilet paper, which, yeah. which then I want to tie into what, what you just said. People have mentioned, and I've noticed on, for, well, on comments to, to new news stories and whatnot, um, the issue of um, bidets. Mm, uh, I knew you were going to get to that. And yeah. other, and other yeah. types of things that I'm, you know, I'm not particularly afraid with. But um, is, does a bidet, the use of a bidet, mean the le- less use of water overall or more? Um, I would say less. Uh, really? Interestingly, um, okay. yeah, some of the, the uh, first sort of research that we that we did is that um, in reducing flush uh, water consumption is doing testing in the lab with um, simulated solids and paper. So there's okay. actually a um, Australian standard poo, which is made up of... Um, it's made up is of... Is um, the Bristol Index? No, it uh, you know it doesn't cover the full range of, okay. of the Bristol chart. Um, yeah, that that would need some uh, imagination to fully okay. represent each of those media. But um, the Australian Standard one is made up of a sausage skin filled with water with a couple of O-rings around it and a finger bandage that runs over the outside. Of oh, it. really? Yeah. So it's if you if you handle one, it's got a real turd turd like quality. It's it's really quite believable, but it, it but it does hold up to repeated testing. So. Um, when you load the, the test toilet up with, with those, you can actually uh, flush that with, um, without all that much uh, water. It, that, that aspect of, of the, uh, the flush load is quite easy. The, the one that really presents difficulties is toilet paper because uh, it soaks up the water, it's quite heavy, it falls apart or it doesn't fall apart. Okay. Um, in the drain line, it drags on the sides quite a lot. So, yeah, toilet paper is probably the harder part of the flush load than that's than, that's actually than really really interesting. Solid. So, yeah, okay. it, like uh, I don't know if we've done any work on this uh, in particular, but um, potentially if the flush load has less toilet paper or no toilet paper for the use of bidets, that could be uh, a way of reducing flush consumption. Possibly, you could you know use a half flush and. That'd do the job. Um, I don't know about the dilution qualities that you'll get in, in that case, but yeah, in terms of, you know, well, you've probably would have seen the news articles about flushable wipes causing yeah, all sorts of trouble yeah, in the building th- systems. Th- that's, that's, that, that, yeah, that was, that, that was that, last all through last year. There yeah, was, was that's that another type of, of waste that's not that's not great to have in the system. So um, yeah, maybe by reducing the need for toilet paper, we could not only have safer trips to the shops, but um, have lower water consumption. It's, I mean, it's a behavioural change. Um, and just around the world, the use of B-Day toilet seats is increasing. Um, 
It is increasing, actually. Yeah, yeah. And through the work that... Why? uh, Mainly the hygiene aspect of it and also... So um, is it more hygiene? Yeah, it's it's more hygienic. And um, this is being normalized because it's a bit of an unusual thing to be exposed to. But once you're used to it, it's... Like in the the research I did in with older uh, Australians um, right. at UNSW, um, there were two participants that came into the lab that had B-day toilets and they raved about them. They said they were the best thing that they'd experienced in the bathroom for a long time. Wow. Um, because uh, ease of use and hygiene and, and a number of things like that. So, um, yeah, it, it's something that is I think is going to increase in Australia. There's There's issues at the moment with... Uh, compatibility with standards and um, I think we need to there's some more standards work to do before we really are happy that because it's the interface of you know the water the drinking water supply it's quite close to the right okay and also electrical issues as well so that's something that um, down the track I think will once that's resolved I think there's potential for for greater exposure or greater use of those technologies okay. in Australia um yeah, but it's not, not a sudden process. I don't think good design comes from top-down approaches. Um, I think it involves... I think you've got to be close. You've got to be talking with people that are doing things. You've got to be experiencing things. You've got to be hands-on. Um, you've got to... Uh, you know, feel be working in the space where these pro- where products are, are actually going to exist, um, rather than theorising about it and 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 bringing down something that that you think should work. Definitely, read up as much as you can and come up with ideas independently. But the it, it really needs to be hands on and in there before you really understand what you're doing. Okay. So testing, prototyping, all that good stuff. Okay, so it's it's good old fashioned R and D. Yeah, I think so. I think that's where the best stuff comes from. That's yeah. the, that's the more fun part of things. Okay, um, and that's where you know sometimes you'll find yourself thinking about something in theatre work, and then once it's in a physical form or it's up against real people, you realise that maybe it's not not the the right way to go, or it's not as complex as you think, or you know it's a it's a good way of working through myths and uh, preconceptions. Okay, and uh, yeah. And working with people is really the best way to prove things, um, see how things actually work. And, yeah, I think that's that's the foundation of good design. Can you tell me about the LiveWell program at Coroma? All right. So this is um, basically our reorienting of uh, how we uh, design and, and promote products for um, people that need you know, extra help in the bathroom or extra right. support in the bathroom. Is so it that just can, aged care or disability or what it's, it's really we're trying to keep it quite loose because you know it's a hard area to to pin down and no one wants to be labelled as having a particular need or whatever. So we're um, obviously they do support uh, older people, um, people with disabilities, um, anyone that needs it. But it kind of uh, for me, it grew out of the work that we did uh, with UNSW, um, Built Environment, with a project led by um, Professor Catherine Bridge. Right. Where we, um, it was quite, it was an ARC funded project and okay. quite, 
quite a, a, a large undertaking, and that involved uh, um, a large-scale uh, mail-out survey of Australians um, aged over 60, and it looked at their experiences in the bathroom. Uh, their opinions about the bathroom was quite broad in its approach. Um, we followed that up with interviews and... Um, so 80 telephone interviews and then the the part that I was most involved with was working in the in the what we called livability lab with older right. people so that's where we had them in um, it sort of had a mixed method approach where um, it was uh, asking them questions collecting sort of interview data but also having them interact with the physical space of right. a simulated bathroom so we used motion capture to record how they moved but importantly, we gave them control over configuring the environment, so changing toilet height, which right. I think we spoke about, and um, uh, and positioning grab rails and things like that. Okay. So, um, and then also we had a co-design process where we worked with a group of older people to um, really just allow them to design their ideal bathroom. So... Um, we they were quite we we sort of had going into the process had some misconceptions that we thought people you know older people wouldn't be interested in technology or wouldn't right. be interested in 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 change in in that area but when uh you we took them through the process of understanding problems that they had or things that they would like better they naturally looked at uh at technological or redesigning um fixtures and layouts to better support to, to better align with the needs that they'd identified. So, okay. um, uh, yeah, we had them suggesting things like, uh, well, bidet toilet seats, um, air dryers right. to replace towels, uh, things like that. Um, and uh, another part of that was they wanted to have bathroom fixtures that, um, that, that allowed support throughout the bathroom, so things that you could hold on to to... Um, make you feel more stable and safe. And so out of that, we um, developed a, a project looking at, well, looking at grab rails because right. um, I, I think that's something that, that could be done better. Um, in, in the laboratory trial, we found that about half the people that we talked to, so these are all just older, older right, Australians okay. of a big, big okay. broad range, used um, some sort of support while getting up and down off the toilet at some stage. But only two of them had uh, design support, so specific right. grab rails that were specific for that purpose. So they were grabbing onto basins or door handles or various things, toilet roll holders, various things that were within reach. Towel rails was another big one um, that weren't designed to support yeah. their weight. And, you know, you think, you know, how much load these things can take if they do need it in a fall situation it's not going to support them so it right. could probably possibly lead to a, a worse solution i mean a worse outcome so we started um thinking about how we could uh develop support surfaces that um fitted into the bathroom better so um we started by talking about um grab rails as as they are currently kind of conceived and um, it was quite interesting that there's quite such a negative sort of perception about grab rails they were seen as you know the grab bars that you normally think of as being, you know, they're stainless steel pipes right. bent around on a radius and with a big, round, ugly flange. Uh -huh. and pretty just, pretty much what I, when you say grab yeah, bars. Yeah, exactly. It's very distinctive. And a lot of that is the aesthetic of it. I mean, it's just a support, like it's just a, a cylindrical thing that you can grab onto or something you can grab onto. 
it's not that different from a door handle or a um you know a railing on the stairs but something about them being in the bathroom is is stigmatizing and we had one of our participants say that uh when her husband became uh, had health issues and they needed to get their bathroom modified and these grab rails were installed she she said uh, I, forget, I forget the exact quote but it was something like the shutters went through me um it's come to this so it felt like a life wow. stage by getting these things installed and you think well it's like a walking frame almost isn't it? yeah yeah but it's, it's it's sort of it's something that kind of makes sense bathroom's a slippery place where yep. you can hit your head on lots of things everyone's Slip, a little bit wobbly sli- slippery with hard surf- sharp surfaces yeah. everywhere yeah and you know everyone feels a bit wobbly while they wash their feet in the mm. shower or mm. in the middle of the night you know um but there's this sort of stigma stigma around uh conventional grab rails so um yeah we looked at designing grab rails that were more aesthetically uh integrated like that looked more like conventional products so um yeah as part of the live well range we've got these um opal support rails we call them support rails rather than grab rails because we want to avoid that kind of that category Mm. um so they just look um you know like a strong tail rail or um something you know they're just a a basic cylindrical bright chrome sort of finish Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and we've got that integrated into a shower rail you know a shower rail like where you've got the the hand shower attached to that yes. and you know they can be a little bit rickety the conventional ones so this mm-hmm. one's just a really solid nice looking uh rail shower that you know anyone would want like you can just hold on to it as hard as you want it takes 150 kilos in any direction so okay it's um something you know I don't know, anyone would want in the shower so okay. um yeah we were looking at products like that that have less of a barrier of of uh Installation than your conventional kind of bathroom modifications. It's intended that it's something that you would install before you needed it, so you get maximum use out of it, and you you do it at a time that that suits you, and you think about how it integrates with the rest of the bathroom design. So um, you can end up having you know quite a nice looking bathroom um, that offers more support than conventional. So so uh, um, you know, sturdy support rails. Yeah. Um, rimless toilets. Yeah. Um, uh, armrest toilets. Did, armrest we, did toilets? we talk about that? So we've got an opal. No, we oh, we've got a range of toilet suites that have armrests on the side. Okay. Um, well, they're not really armrests. They're they're the armrests that you use to get up and down. Fair enough. Um, so they're you know we tested those in the lab. They make getting up and down much easier biomechanically, um, and you know that they they look aesthetically integrated into the toilets. Right. Um, and a, a good feature of them is that if you choose to install a toilet that has the bracket to support these things, um, you don't need to put the armrest on immediately. You can just put covers over the holes where they come out from the ceramic and um, you've got the option of adding them as you need them. So there's less of a barrier for improving the amount of support that the, the bathroom offers. So, you know, if... Um, you get your knees replaced or something and you need more support for a while, you can fit them on and, and use them. And then if you're feeling better and you think, oh, well, they're just kind of, I've swung them out of the way most of the time. I'm not really using them. You can take them off. So, um, yeah, that it's it can adapt to, uh, to your changing needs. It's not a permanent um, bolt-on kind of okay. fix. So it, it just opens up the flexibility of the space. So um, uh, you can create a, a, a space that... Yeah, it just works better for you without, okay. without, you know, looking like a 
suddenly turning into a hospital and burying the bathroom you are. So, so if you add add that the the sensor driven um, uh, the the IT yeah yeah uh, which is um, sorry the name uh, smart command is the our smart, system yeah the smart command and mm. a- add all that together mm. you've you've almost got a, a diagnostic bathroom. You could do yeah depending on the way you design it. There's a lot of um, potential for how you can um, come up with a. A, a space you know it, it just depends on on what's relevant to you mm. um but yeah we aim to have a, a good range of products that give you the flexibility to design something that that will really work for for the long term and to support you okay well, it sounds like in the future or the near future going mm. to the bathroom is going to going to actually be fun oh yeah definitely be fun you won't want to go out you'll just <laughs> self-isolate in the bathroom and you know in the lab at unsw we we bring people in and get them to customise the bathroom environment to fit their right. needs. So that's through um, adjustable test rigs and um, various things like that. So people have the the ability to to move, you know, toilet height to the height that they want, um, grab rails into the positions that they want, and you can see that when things fit them well, um, they can move more comfortably and more um, design should fit should um, understand what people's requirements are mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and offering a, a range of, of solutions to them and giving them the autonomy to choose them and you know encouraging a process where they can choose and design and specify and try out and test out and install a, a, a bathroom environment that suits them means that they're going to be getting a better result in terms of performance of basic activities, but also enjoying um, their time in the bathroom, enjoying that part of their lives because, you know, it's a big part of your life. And, you know, if you design your bathroom well, it could, you know, you can get 20 years good use out of it. Okay. Um, where, you know, if you get it wrong, you can have 20 years of coping and difficulty and frustration. So, um Getting people to design, to, to be involved in the design process and thinking about these things can, I, I, I think, result in some you know, improvements in quality of life in the long run. Interesting, I didn't realise you could actually... Um it could, it could adjust the height of a toilet. I thought they all came with the exact same measurements and... Oh, um... Uh, just with our product range, there's standard height toilets, which are about 400 to the top of the pan, and right. then there's um, care or easy height pans that are more 435. Or, really? Yeah, um, and different okay. toilet seats have different thicknesses. Um, okay. You know, the your, uh, AS1428 accessible toilet is is a, a 450 to 480, I think, off the top of my head. Sorry if I'm getting that wrong right now. But um, uh, So that's a fair bit higher, and that can work for some people with knee problems and stuff okay. but you know that that height mostly comes around from um being easy to transfer off a wheelchair so uh-huh, yeah okay. in, in the lab we found that that height was great for some people to get up and down but some people that you know are shorter stature um they felt uncomfortable sitting at that height and it caused uh, made it difficult for them to to sit in a supported way and it made mm-hmm. it difficult for them to stand up again because their feet weren't making solid contact with the ground. So okay. if you have to sort of slide forward or jump off the toilet, that's not a, a great way to 
to get up, particularly if you've got um, other issues, issues with yeah. strength and balance. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, there's a there's a toilet uh, toilet height that all that fits each person. So, what would be your top three then? Uh, you know, design. Um, I guess changes that are coming uh, that are, that will be seeing mm. um, in, the, in the near future, I guess, or whatever that's supposed to mean. Let's say in the next five or ten years, I suppose. Um, that in terms of toilet design, that you, th- you think you think will become, dare I use the word, ubiquitous? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's some that are out now that are just going to be more fully implemented. Like uh, Chrome has got a clean flush toilet design, which means there's no toilet rim. You know the the rim on the toilet yeah. where, where your toilet bra- toilet duck, duck. Squ- squirts up duck. under yeah, there yeah, yeah. and kills whatever's up there. Yeah. We've managed to remove that completely. So Oh really? Yeah. Okay. It, keep an eye out for them. Um but there's other rimless designs around, but Chrome is one's the, the best looking and the cleanest. And, okay. Uh has the best flush performance. You can you can test the other ones out, but the Chrome one's the best. Ah. Um and that means that the the bowl is sort of open and all glazed, a bit like a basin. Uh huh. Okay. So you can clean the whole way around with a cloth. Nowhere for the germs to hide. Uh, yeah, well, that, that, yeah, I, I guess that would be one one area where they, it would be perfect for them. Okay. Yeah, and and we're able to to develop that because we had the experience in flushing technology that we really know how um, how to make a toilet bowl flush well. So. You know, it involves aspects like, have you heard the term rooster tail for a toilet flush? No. No, you wouldn't have. No, it's quite a good term. So, something to look out for if you're looking at toilets around about. Um, so, the water in a toilet bowl comes out the back and it sort of whooshes around the sides of the bowl. Right. Yeah? Uh-huh. Keep an eye out for it next time. Okay. And it hits together at the front and crashes into each other and then forms a flush jet, which we call a rooster tail. So, it should lift off the surface of the bowl in, into the air a bit and... Um, uh, that produces a flush jet that is targeted to the waste in the sump. So the okay. sump being the water at the bottom there. Uh-huh. So it lifts up and then is directed down towards that, Pushes, gathers the waste together and then pushes it down through the S-trap, uh-huh. the P-trap, and then out into the the building drainage system. So what you want to do is, is build up a big, strong Brewster tail with a strong flush jet to get the waste out early and then the water coming behind that mm-hmm. follows that through into the drain line and pushes it through the system. So, um, you know, that's something that we... we that's fascinating, we, we actually. Under, yeah, we understood through um, reducing flush volume. So when it came to developing a rimless bowl um, for clean flush, we um, focused on producing those sort of um, aspects of, of mm. the flush, flush performance. So at the front of the clean flush bowl, there's a little... Just a little rise called um, a flow balancer, and mm-hmm. that helps um, aim and focus that jet. So um, other pi- other toilet bowls, rimless ones you might see around, um, they won't have that straight uh, jet to, to push waste out or wobble around a bit, and mm-hmm. um, it's, it doesn't have that same control. So, um, yeah, that, I mean, that's, a, that's, you know, an innovation in toilet design that, mm-hmm. that we've you know, it's finding its way throughout our product range, and that means that you know, if you're looking at infection control, ease of cleaning, that's that's an aspect of cleaning up the bowl yeah. that's better. So you know, it's something that we uh, pushed out first through our, um, our you know live well range. So our range for um, that's specific for accessibility and aged care and 
um, those sorts of applications, but it's it's through our whole normal product range as well too because it, you know no one likes cleaning a toilet and everyone no. likes to get the toilet as clean as possible and this is a way of doing that. Okay. Um, yeah, other aspects, like I don't want to just be talking about stuff Chroma's doing, but um, it's obvious, we're obviously... Um, keeping up in in the field of, of innovation and technology so we've also got our um, uh, smart command system which is uh, it's hands-free but it's also I was actually going to ask about that because yeah. that is that is a real real innovation yeah. and that is something that ties tied into sustainability yeah and also this move mm. that I've got to say that's kind of almost slow down a bit but it's picking up a bit more pace now the automating of the home mm. which i guess then goes into aged care as well yeah. because that helps people who aren't as mobile or, or or you know or who um you know who who, who probably would like to have some things more automated that was that yeah. might, may forget so th- that that um that, that smart control is actually very interesting isn't it yeah i mean it, obviously it's a hands-free in the in the sort of commercial uh iteration of it that that we're you know launching at the moment or, or building in the market at the moment um but the real uh key to it is that the all the devices are bluetooth enabled so that we're collecting um data from every appliance that's being used so um that data management side of things has got some you know it's a big job but it's a huge got huge potential for really understanding what is going on in bathrooms where uh products might need maintenance um Interestingly, we've found that uh, the uh, the hand washing. It's, I know hand washing is a big issue at the moment, but um, a lot more hand washing was going on in women's toilets than men's toilets, um, for whatever reason. So that's something that we found out from that. And um, you know, the data that you can get from a, a, a system like that means that could have implications for uh, product design, but also um, for building design, like. You know, yep. how many toilets do you need? How many, how uh-huh. many are being used? How many urinals do you need? How many stalls do you need? Um, yeah, just, just the potential for that is huge. Um, we can also look at um, water consumption uh, where we could, you know, are there ways that we could reduce water consumption, say, from urinals if there was just, if we could get away with fewer flushes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's all sorts of ways that um, having access to that data um, having build facilities managers having access to that data um, could lead to to water savings and you know it's a bit like the smart meters that you've got yeah. for electricity. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we develop something if something comes out uh, for homes as well. So we're looking at you know leak detecting things like that. Okay. Um, and then yeah, you talked about aged care. Uh, a big indicator of well being is um, how much attention you're paying to your to your hygiene needs and, okay. and things like that, and also you know nighttime toilet usage can be an issue. It's a, it's the riskiest time for going to the bathroom because um, I mean there's a whole whole range of aspects of uh, of older people going to the toilet at night. But um, if people are going to the the toilet, then it can be uh, they can be a bit more wobblier on their feet. They're probably right. going to not be turning lights on so much. They might try to minimise noise because they don't want to wake up their partner. Um, uh, it's it's an aspect of of daily life that it's interesting to find information about. 
privacy issues, uh, of course, would be a, a big part of that. But um, if you're looking at management of an aged care facility, um, especially, you know, I'm just thinking with the Royal Commission coming out, there's going to be a higher um, a, a higher level of interest in patient well-being and monitoring right. and, and having a good do- good source of, of information from um, how uh, of patient well-being or resident well-being. Building your own home. Mm. What what would be the design? Toilet design, whether that be a Chroma design or, mm. or any other design. What would be the design you would choose, and why? Well, firstly, it'd be a Chroma toilet. That's okay. for sure. Um, I'd be thinking about the space where it was, um, with the right degree of of privacy and isolation, okay. so that it it was a distinct space. Um, just thinking about bathroom generally, it'd be, it's nice to have a big shower space because uh, that needs um, uh, that can have some big benefits in making sure you've got enough space there. Uh, I'd need to have a bath in there because my wife's really into baths, but generally I think okay. it's safer to have to not have a bath. Um, be interesting to to try out some um, on-site different ways of using water. So right. uh, maybe using rainwater or possibly uh, a grey water system in the house would be interesting. Um, what else would I do? Um, I'd be installing um, uh, some of the nicer looking support rails that we've got um, in throughout the bathroom because. They offer benefits for people of any age and um, aesthetically, I think, look pretty good. So I wouldn't hesitate to install those things. Um, uh, a good outlook in the bathroom, so to bring nature yeah. in as much as possible. Um, That's one thing I agree with you. Light mm. in a bathroom, it's a, it's a very common sense. Oh, totally. Light and air and yeah. uh, thinking about sound as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, plants bringing into the space as well is uh, okay. is a uh, a nice way to create the right environment. Um, yeah, the location in the house is Im- important. So, in, think, in, what, in what way? I'm thinking differently about an ensuite as a maybe as an extension to the bedroom. Um, that being a sort of more personal space, and then um, you know, with kids, you think, what's the family bathroom that's going to work well for them as they turn into teenagers? How yeah. are they going to share that? and not clutter up, not fight over that. <laughs> and also having some somewhere that you're yeah, happy to show off to guests, so some interesting okay. things there. We've got a, um, uh, a hand basin toilet in our house at the moment that was installed as part of the, the research for launching that. It's right. another Chroma product, but it's, um, it's interesting in that it's, it's got the, the hand basin on the top of the cistern. Right. So, you know when you flush a toilet? Yeah. Yeah, and it hisses is the system fills up again yeah ready for next time um when you flush this one the water comes through a spout into a little basin so you wash, okay. you wash your hands with that water as it's refilling so you wash your hands and then it goes into the system and fills up and it's like a little just a little gray water recycling setup okay. in, in the one toilet so it means you know in, in installation terms it means you can have a basin in your toilet cubicle okay. without any additional plumbing um, but it's a, you know, a little example. It saves, you know, a reasonable amount of water over time. Oh, really? Yeah, um, okay. because you're not using the water that you would otherwise be doing for your hand washing. Interesting. And um, 
just to mention coronavirus again, it, it runs mm. for more than 20 seconds, so you've got plenty of time to wash your hands pop- properly. Uh-huh. It's actually, people always comment, um, yeah, talking about people visiting, um, uh, people quite people grab the con- uh, get the concept of it quite quickly, but they say, it's running for too long, it's using up too much water. And it's like, that's a pretty efficient toilet. That's how much water you're using every time you flush the toilet. So just... Just look at that filling up because every time you press the button, you don't, don't it's not normally visible, but that, that's how much water you're using. Dr. Peter Sweatman, that has been absolutely fascinating. I mean, no, seriously, that has been really fascinating. Yeah, I few, really, really enjoyed yeah, that. Like I say, you scratch the surface or something, there's always more to it than you think. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I definitely will have you on again if you okay. if, if, if you dare come back <laughs> into our cozy little, little, little studio. Sure. You've been listening to Dr. Peter Sweatman from Caroma on the design and technology behind toilets. You've been also listening to Talking Architecture and Design. Until next time, goodbye.